Hi, this is Brennan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Joel Clark for Wusha Workshop. And today we're going to be talking about the movies Painted Skin and Killer Clans. I basically had Joel watch these two movies. He had two very different reactions to them, and uh, he's gonna he's gonna let us know what he what he thinks about uh, about the films, and then we're gonna talk about them in the context of gaming. So so Joel. Uh, I'm going to open with Painted Skin, and we did Painted Skin Resurrection, so just to be clear, this is not the first Painted Skin movie, nor is it the, the original King Who movie or the, the one from the 60s. This is the 2012 sequel to the 2008 Painted Skin, and, um, and this one uh, you know, has a pretty, uh, you know, a pretty good cast, a lot of the people from the, uh, the, uh, the 2008 movie, and it continues following the, uh, the Painted Skin demon from the original movie except she's more of a fox demon in this one so joel what did you think of the film let's let's start there uh no sir i didn't like it i i really didn't i and i wanted to like because i came into it kind of with this attitude where i wasn't sure what to expect like painting skin the the short story is a horror story and like this immediately like leans on the fox demon thing and i was like well this is going to be an interesting take and i usually actually little factoid uh david ramirez uh, the guy I work with on Tian Chang, he wrote a story about a fox demon, like okay. fairly recently. He's going to turn it into a little comic book. So I was like, okay, well, maybe this is one of the things that inspired him, because like he and I like kind of swim in the same circles with that stuff. So I didn't know what to think of it, and I I got to watching it, and it was one of those movies where about halfway through I had to take a break. Oh yeah, he did. Go play. Go go play. Okay, but I'm in the middle of my recording thing. As usual, I have my son with me today, so there will be some occasional interruptions from babies. But I had to give myself a self-imposed little, like, um, little, uh, what do you call it, an intermission. Because I was just like, uh, okay, I've yet to find anything I can latch on to in this movie that I'm actually enjoying. Um, and, like, I don't, I don't want to, like, poo-poo the movie, because it's not like it's bad. This is what's frustrating me about the movie. It's not bad. It's not badly paced. It's not badly written. Uh, it's not badly acted. The acting is actually really good. And as a matter of fact, very early into the movie, I had high hopes for it because uh, you, you, the fox demon comes across the uh, the princess and she's like uh, the super badass, fighting bad guys and doing cool stuff. But and like I, the, I know the moment the movie lost me is the she finds a <clears throat> fox demon finds out the, uh, the warriors of the, the princess and she gets stung right in the right in the tit. <laughs> by the scorpion and clearly dies like she falls over and dies or like i thought she died and then the next scene starts and she's fine and there's no explanation for how she got better or the intervening time or anything and like that's like one of like the eight times that chick dies in this movie and they're just like oh but she's fine okay see i didn't i didn't interpret that as her dying I, i i have to confess i don't know enough about scorpions to know how venomous that would be to uh to a human um, but I assumed that she just got really hurt and then she, and she got knocked out and woke up, but go on. I'm sorry. I mean, like, I mean, I assume that's what happened. That's what the movie was trying to carry forth. And maybe, maybe in China, everybody knows about how poisonous scorpions are like, and that would actually make a lot of sense. I'm sure that's one of those homeopathic remedies. Like China's really big in China is that kind of, that kind of medicine. But like, man, I, I had no like read on that. Mm. And, um, I don't know, like, it just kind of, I wasn't really able to follow the characters, like, like, okay, so they, they set up a, a very, very standard love triangle that is in no, like, it's perfectly serviceable, you know, between, like, it turns out the princess got her face mauled by a bear, and, like, the guy she was in love with was, like, this guard that was a really badass archer that was supposed to be protecting her, and he fucked up, and he felt really uh, upset about it, and, like, the the rub of the story is that she thinks he doesn't like her because her face is all scarred up, but he actually doesn't give a crap. What he cares about is that he failed her and that shame just makes him so unhappy when he's around her. He's like, I failed you princess. So the Fox demon like interprets that the same way. And she like tempts the girl with these shape changing powers that make her beautiful. And like, she, she curses the one guy with her Fox magic to kind of like have the hots for her. And, um, I don't know, like, it had a real Romeo and Juliet vibe, so, like, it was well-constructed, but I don't have a lot of patience for the Romeo and Juliet stuff, because, like, okay. for me, that, that like, Romeo and Juliet, and, like, 
this is a flaw in, in me from from like looking at a, a story like Romeo and Juliet and being like frustrated with it. For me, my whole job is communicating well. So for me, Romeo and Juliet is a story about two people who weren't patient enough to communicate effectively, and everything got fucked up as a result. So in a lot of ways, like I think that I was bringing that frustration into Painted Skin too. That's and, an interesting. Uh, maybe, maybe that's, that was hurting for me. Well, no, that's interesting because it sounds like what turns you off was the love story element. It sort of shifts in the direction of a love story, and specifically into one where it's all about the miscommunication leading to tragedy, um, oh, yeah. which which you will find a lot of in 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 this kind of this kind of film. Um, Any but, romance, that's and, yeah, every romance, yeah. that's the thing. And that's the thing I like about the movie, but I can totally see, number one, how it wouldn't be appealing to a lot of people, but number two, how it does kind of throw you a curveball because the, the beginning of the movie, it feels like it's a supernatural adventure filled with action, and then suddenly it shifts, and yeah. there's still supernatural, there's still action, but so much of the attention is drawn to characters talking on the beach, and oh, characters, be, you know, and 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 you people off the beach, and then you get rescued from the beach, and then you talk about it some more. Then you're in a pool, and this the, you're right. It's not just that the tone changes. The tone doesn't actually change that much. What changes is the pacing. Mm. The pacing goes from we're on horseback, we're fighting demons to let's talk about it for the rest of the movie. Yeah, I don't, I don't actually know how to play this game. Well, this is Yoshi's Woolly World. You can do it though. You have to figure it's a it's a puzzle. You have to figure that one out. Anyway. Off you go. I gotta do my thing. Sorry, buddy. I, I can't fix that one for you. First of all, I don't know how to play Yoshi's Woolly World. And second of all, I got my thing I'm doing. So, it's two things. And so, um, but yeah, no, I think the, uh, um, I think the pacing definitely changes. But again, I, th that's, what's interesting to me there is one of the things I like about this movie is the pacing. Uh, because I mean, I enjoy sort of the, the way that I'm getting to see all of the different characters. Like, you have these different relationships that are being dealt with. And it's spending time on them, um, and so you have like the you have you have her sister, the bird demon, who's dealing with the demon hunter, and they have like an, a cute little relationship. But then you have you know um, her whole love triangle. Where, by the way, I'm sorry. Did that subplot wind up going anywhere? They they actually went. They spent a lot of time on like the the kind of crummy demon hunter and the bird demon, and, like their relationship and everything, and like I, that didn't seem to go anywhere. Well. It sort of was like a... I mean, it kind of went somewhere, but it was much lower key than what was going on with the other characters. So their whole thing was he eventually... you know, con, you know he, he admits to her that he, he really wants to be a demon, which is the big joke about that character. He's a demon hunter who, who, who wants to be a demon. I, I saw that as a... Um, I thought that was kind of like a reference to Chinese ghost story where the demon hunter has s similar sets of confusions uh, at a certain point in the movie. Um but it was just kind of like a, I don't know, it was kind of like a sweet little love story between them. And just when they're getting to the point where it seems like they might, and I'm going to spoil the ending of the film for people, just, just when it gets to the point where it seems like uh, they're going to have some kind of uh, relationship after the climax of the film, she gets destroyed by his blood because his blood ki uh, can, can kill demons. And, and, we, and we learn that she's like a phoenix demon. And the whole question that was being asked about her in their relationship, she went to him trying to find out what kind of demon she was. Do you know what I mean? Like, she was trying to find out more about herself. And so, I don't know. I feel, I feel like it was kind of nicely tied up at the end. I don't, know, I don't know if it went anywhere in the same way that the, that the, main, uh, the main characters went. But it, to me, it was a satisfying, you know, ending for them. Um, but I don't know if that, you know, again, it, it might not be what you were so looking for. the opposite effect, because, like, I really felt like there was more to do with both of those characters, and their ending just kind of puttered out, and we're like, ah, we're done messing with that now. Okay. I mean, like, and again, maybe it just was, I was just missing the cultural boat, because I was like, I'm not, I'm not getting what you're saying about the, the Phoenix team, and as far as I was figuring out, like, she was just dying because of his blood, and that was it. Like, but I didn't then, realize there was some Phoenix thing going on there. Maybe, we, maybe I just missed the boat. So on remember, it, it destroys her flesh, and she emerges as a... It, it looks like a Chinese Phoenix when she emerges. And, okay. And there's a really important exchange between them where he has the... He has, sorry. like... I'm sorry? I thought, Phoenix, I thought the Phoenix was Chinese. Is that not Chinese? Is that not a, like... You, like 
Oh no, no, but there's a there's a there's there's the like the Western Phoenix and then there's like the Chinese Phoenix. They're two different mythological creatures. So, I don't know. Is that like the the Chiron versus the unicorn kind of? Yeah, yeah. It's so a, it's, 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 a diff, it's an okay. actually it's a different. I mean, oh, Phoenix I mean, is. Okay. A, it's it's but she, but she she looks like a Chinese Phoenix when she when when her when her flesh falls off. And there was a scene earlier where he has this book of all the different demons. And she's like, well, where am I in that book? And he can't find her. And he's like, oh, maybe you're an amateur. Or maybe you're not really maybe a demon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, but... you know. And, and, he, and, he's, and, and so their, their whole relationship is kind of built on that exchange. And so I, I, I like that the, the surprise is that she, you know, because he mentions when he's going through the book, he mentions Phoenix. He mentions Phoenix spirit. So... Huh? Uh, so I feel like there's a lot of little details because I, I kind of had a similar thing where I thought I thought they were just kind of a cute sideshow the first time I saw the movie, but every time I watch it since then, I you know I find that the details sort of pop out at me more and that I I I'm more I there's, there's there's a lot more to chew on with that relationship. So, but again, I mean, if it didn't work for you, it didn't work for you. That's uh, well, like I'm. I'm... This is this conversation. Unfortunately, is not giving me a better opinion of the movie because that is a really cool detail. But like, I don't know. It just wasn't. Yeah, I guess maybe I, just, I didn't find that very satisfying. Now, what about in terms of gaming content? Was there anything in this movie that you felt that you could? All right. Um. Yeah. I mean, like in the end of the movie, they've got that awesome heavy metal demon ceremony where they're trying to bring the guy back from the dead. Uh, that's. Bringing people back from the dead should always be radical and metal, and like I'm just gonna probably just steal that whole scene. It was it uh, was very metal. I would it was it was very Temple of Doom. I thought it was about yeah. total. It yeah. was very Temple of Doom. Yes, very yes. That's that's very accurate. Um, actually, the guy they got the 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 head priest was he like Caucasian or part Caucasian? No, he, he did not. Look he's else I think he this. I I don't know for sure. I think he's half Chinese, but he's like a Cantonese pop star. He's actually very famous. That guy. Um, and so, and, and so, you know, it wasn't like they, because a lot of times in these movies, they do just kind of, they'll hire, you know, I, I like, I, I don't know how it works over there, but you'll get people who are not necessarily the greatest actors in the world who are playing the Westerner. And, and this guy, it, it see I mean, he was doing a good job in that role, I thought. Yeah, um, he was great. He really stole the show. And, uh, and, and the, um, and, and also the, the way that those scenes were done, there was like, there were a lot of interesting, I don't know, I found that the, the rhythm of some of the dialogue when the uh, when the princess of, uh, of 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 that kingdom was talking was in sync with the music behind it on the soundtrack and it was very effective. So 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 which I think just ties more into the metal stuff, you know. Um, but but that also sticks out like a sore thumb in the movie because it's so different from everything else in it. So yeah, nothing else was like that. I mean, like. I will grant, like, whenever we switch over to the, like, the barbarian, the dead barbarian princess stuff, it all kind of has this sort of heavy metal vibe to it. But that seems almost one where it just, like, it just opens up and it's like, time to rock, boys and girls! So, like, that was really cool. Um, showing my, my love for heavy metal here. Um, what else? Okay, so, charm person is a thing that's hard to carry off in a game, and I yeah. think that this movie does a pretty good job of showing it as, like, more of like kind of a curse where like you don't really the way you react whenever you're charmed by a fox demon or some such thing that can manifest in weird ways what happens to the player characters i think whenever like you have a character an npc to an npc or a player to an npc where they're charming a bad guy it's pretty easy for you as the gm to be like oh, okay they like you and they're nice to you mm-hmm. but whenever that magic hits the player character the question of character and player agency comes up and I think that that was a really good, like, that that movie did a pretty good job of showing that it's kind of a carrot and a stick scenario where if they don't play along, there should be some kind of soft punishment. And if they do play along, there should be, like, a soft reward. Yeah. That kind of incentivizes them towards it without necessarily beating them over the head with the inability to roleplay. The flavor was good, too. The way that they sort of focused it on the eyes and and that was sort of the out. Like if you want to get out of this curse, you you, you slice your eyes yeah. open. And... As soon as he cut his eyes off, I, I was like, that reminds me of Brendan. Yeah. <laughs> shit that you would put in a game. Yeah, that's... So, there's a, well, there's uh, a lot here. I mean, obviously, my opinion of the movie is very different than yours, and so I borrowed a lot from this film. And, and you know, I don't think I borrowed that, but but the, the way that they handled the fox spirit, I definitely borrowed. Like, that's definitely... This is a movie that if you if you see this movie... You will understand a lot of what I was going for with how in my campaigns with how I handled 
you know, fox spirits. But because uh, I just think it's so the, the way that she <coughs> pulls out people's hearts like that is, is yeah, is, she's super casual about it, which is what's kind of chilling about that. Where she's just like, ah, I'll take your heart too. Nom 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 nom. It's like an apple to me. Like the movie doesn't even bat its eye. It starts you off with her tearing people's hearts out. It's just yeah, like, holy no, absolutely. God. Now, what did you think of that coming back to haunt her at the end? How did you feel about that plot? Was that cheap or was that good in your opinion? No, it was well structured, but I'll tell you, it actually kind of ruined the Barbarian Prince's badass super metal resurrection because I know he's a wimp now. Like, he went down in the opening prologue of the movie without a fight. Oh, my heart, dead. And, like, Sparrow Demons, like, she doesn't even pause in her dialogue. It's like, yeah, whatever, I'm nom nom nom. You know, so... The guy's a wuss, so it's not like Sauron's coming back. It's just yeah. some dude. Hey, I'm back, guys. Woo! Thanks for the metal ceremony. Yeah. Well, let's well get I, think back the, I think the I uh, think the the thing about that scene that 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 makes it work is that um, that she loses her powers by the time she gets there, so she has no ability to stave off even the most, you know, even even like the guards of the princess. Um, but uh, but yeah, I don't know. I think um, it's 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 interesting that uh well one thing i want to know about is what do you would you like some of the stuff in this that i that i that i would try to emulate in a lot of my games is the love story elements but i'm wondering is that something that you would find difficult in a campaign to draw in let me think i'm trying to think if i ever had a love story in a campaign i mean like usually like whenever i have a love story it's a it has about the same kind of impact on the game that like you might have with a favored hireling it's just not like, it's not a Romeo and Juliet thing where it's, like, the whole reason a character does stuff. It's another thing about them. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I could make a central love story compelling. Okay. I, like, because for me, like, the central story in almost every role-playing game revolves around the reason for adventuring. Going to the dungeon, get loot, or, like, there's a big bad guy, you've got to fight him. Something like that. It's more about the acquisition of power or wealth. And, like, I, I don't want to, like, cheapen a love story by making that a central part of it. So, like, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure how I would make that a compelling thing. I, in in Tansheng, what I'd probably do is is give you a minor, is like give you a dharma, and like that would be your dharma, like your destiny is to seek your true love or whatever. Okay. And I, I guess maybe you could carry it off kind of like the Princess Bride, sort of. Okay. Like that was one where like like you were compelled to adventure for your love. So probably the best version of that would be Princess Bride, uh, as far as like the best version I've ever seen as far as like an adventuring thing based on true love because I, I there's not a whole lot of times when true love as a motivator I mean like that as an end point you know you get together and then you have a little house yeah so like once you get to that little house point it sort of feel like your adventuring career is over <laughs> oh I get you okay see what I would tend to do is I would tend to keep going and have like okay well they're eventually going to have kids and you know then that becomes I see, I see those things as stuff that roots the players to the setting more but it doesn't necessarily end their adventuring career. Um, I've, I've had characters that have kids uh, that, like, get married and have kids, and they still go on adventure. And, like, I don't know, like, I've just... It's never been a thing where, like, it's it's a... It's not the focus. It's not the focus. It's not. Yeah, it's always, like, very much a secondary, tertiary thing at best. So... Uh, actually, one of the things that I wanted to, to point out that I would put in a game is that awesome-ass acid demon blood that the, the holy guy had. It's like I'm totally holy. Look, look at my blood, and it's like burning people. That's great. Yeah, yeah, his, yeah. His, his blood is basically like the like from the movie Aliens, except it only affects demons. And uh, love that. And it, so and it's a... because of his bloodline. I think the implication is he's a descendant of the demon hunters from the first movie. But I, I I'd have to watch the first movie again to to really determine that. Um, yeah, I rented it on Amazon Prime, which is actually a really good way to watch these movies because you're out like three, four bucks, need to have this really fun little movie. And in this case, like I didn't really enjoy this movie, but like it was four bucks. You know, I was like, I'm buy four bucks a sandwich. And and I, and I will say thank you for watching the whole movie, even though you didn't like it, because that was uh, I, it's a it's a it's a little bit long, if I remember. Yeah, yeah, it's, it was worth it to get to that awesome ass scene in the end. Like that, and actually, the fight scene at the end was great. All the fight scenes in the movie were really good. I, I yeah. love those. Yeah, the fight scenes are spectacular. I don't think I've ever heard anybody complain about the fight scenes. They're not necessarily like it's one of these movies where it doesn't even really matter if the actors are really doing it or not. It's the way that it's done. 
that it just yes, looks awesome. Direction. Yeah, and uh, and I think the the fight scenes are great. I also like the music and just the overall feel and look of the movie. It has this really cool sort of blue filtered <laughs> look to it that mm-hmm. uh, that to me just is is uh, visually interesting. Um, but the music is one of the things that really pulls me into it. Um, it's, it's got a nice score. If I remember uh, that thing. Yeah, well, a lot, a lot of these films, I feel like they're pretty attentive to the music. Um, but, but all right, so with that one out of the way, the one you didn't like out of the way, we should talk now about Killer Clans. This one, it seemed like you had a slightly better reaction to this one, though. I, I, I really enjoyed Killer Clans. Like, you, you compared it to uh, The Godfather, and, like, because I, I wasn't sure what to make of the pacing, because, like, like a lot of the older, like, kung fu movies, its pacing is breakneck. Like, it gets, it doesn't spend any time on, like, ponderously setting stuff up, which surprised me about Painted Skin, but, like, in Killer Plans, it's like, bam, this guy's dead, deal with it. It sucks to be a killer because yeah. your fear ends in death. Oh, man, a trap. Now these guys are dead. Um, but, yeah, whenever you compare that to uh, e- even the pacing of a very Western movie, like uh, like The Godfather, like, The Godfather does very similar stuff. It doesn't spend a lot of time setting up. And, like, yeah. you wind up getting these really important named characters just completely killed, like, in really early, like, startlingly early scenes. Uh, I kind of compare it to the effect that, like, Psycho had, where, like, you have, like, this movie, and you're like, oh, it's going to be like this, and they're going to have these, like, these character arcs, and these guys are the badasses, so they're going to be in these last fight scenes. Nope, they're dead. They're, they died today, yeah. now. I mean, so it's, it's all cool. in the title. It's all in the title. It's 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 yeah. just, it's, it's, uh... So just so people that are listening know, I talk about Killer Clans all the time. Obviously, it's one of them. It's probably got the biggest influence on the stuff I do, gaming-wise, than any movie and, and any. And uh, it's based on a Gulong story called Meteor Butterfly Sword. There's also a movie from the '90s with Michelle Yeoh that's based on the same source material. There's only a partial translation available, as far as I know. If you want to get it in English, so you can read like the first nine chapters, and that will explain some of what's going on and you'll also if you go to like SBC net you'll get to see a lot of the comments about the, the godfather where people are actually doing comparisons but i, I, could I see comparison, yeah. well it's not just the movie it's the book too because i uh, i read the 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 godfather years ago but but like there are strong similarities right down to like the guy whose daughter gets raped going to to in this case he's uncle rather than the godfather but going to uncle and asking for help getting revenge down to uncle's son being killed and in the book his son even has a personality that's almost exactly like Sonny from the godfather yeah. and there's uh you know i think uh what's the character's name han tong he's basically luca brazzi there's all these things that are really close to the godfather but what i like about it is number one you get the sense that gulong was obviously he was either watching the movie or reading the book or something and it, it it seems to have influenced his writing of the story and it shows you how there's you know a lot of times when we talk about these films we debate is it wuxia and what is wuxia and i kind of like films that challenge whether whether you know that sort of challenge the definition of the genre that they belong to a little bit because oh, yeah. it helps them grow and i and i feel like once we sort of settle, like, no, this is exa- like, like, you know, like a standard definition might, might really focus on, you know, martial heroes using their power to protect the weak. That's a pretty, really simple aspect of wuxia that people will, will often focus on. And that's definitely wuxia. But in this movie, you don't really have that. Like, there's, a, there's trace elements of it, but, not, but even, like the, the hero is an assassin. And I don't think at any point we really see him helping the weak or you know. like he gets the wheat killed a lot like remember and i'm gonna go like way deep into spoiler territory whenever uncle escapes the one of the many assassination plots to kill the unkillable uncle and um he goes to uh, that guy's house that he saved from prison and the guy's like oh the kids saw him well feed them this poison and you're just like, like I watched that scene. And I was like, this is such a Godfather scene. Yeah. This is some shit you would see in in a Francis Ford Coppola movie. I'm I'm stunned. Well, so, uh, well so yeah, that's no one saved those kids. Those kids are toast. Well, what it does too is it kind of. I mean, there is sort of a tremendous crossover between gangster movies and wuxia films, and because you, you get into that sort of Zhang Hu underworld, and you meet a lot of characters that you might see in a gangster movie with similar codes of honor. And I feel like that's, you know, that's one of the things that Gulong is very good at is focusing on those types of characters. Even the heroes, you know, like not, not all of his heroes are as 
morally questionable as this one. You know, a lot like mo- like most of them are actually pretty, you know, <clears throat> more typical wuxia heroes. But th- but 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 in this in this in this movie at least in this movie version of the story, uh, you know, he th- there's I mean everybody's everybody's dirty. Every everybody's dirty, and and it, it does not flinch away from the dirtiness of the martial world. You know, like uh, uh, in I, I just I, I I find it a um, I I find it a much more interesting setting to play around with than a setting where the characters are all heroic and 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 yeah. the morality this... is very clear. Yeah, and because it this allows. I think that people have this unfortunate tendency when they're at the gaming table to kind of proselytize mm-hmm. about, oh, this is lawful good, but that's not good, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And, like, that sort of armchair philosophy is extremely frustrating because it doesn't take into account the actual, like, moral complexities of actual situations you might run into in this kind of scenario. And this movie doesn't allow you that kind of armchair comfort. It, it really does sit you down and say, hey, look, life is complex, man, and you got to live your life by your own code because at any point it could end hideously for you. So, uh, so yeah, that's something I admired about that, and that's something that's very gameable about this movie. Hey, Roland, I'm still doing my talking, buddy. Now, was there, was there anything that you didn't like about this movie, or was it was it one that... Uh... As a parent, it's hard to watch the kid poisoning scene. Okay. <laughs> that's... It's, it's like it's their parents poisoning them. It's not even a bad guy. Yeah. It's just they're betraying their trust, which is... I wanted to punch that fat fuck in the face. I'm like, you son of a... Oh, yeah. That, that guy is in, like, video. every Shaw Brothers movie, by the way. He is uh, he, he is just one of those people that's, like, a steady character actor. Um, but the woman that plays the mother, that's Teresa Ha-Ping. Who play, she plays... the In this, you didn't really see it, but she plays really good, eccentric characters. She you know she And they have her play all kinds of different roles. But... Uh, but that scene to me, that was the most shocking in the movie. It was, it was the really? scene, it, but it's also the scene that kind of sells the movie. They, they, it sort of fully commits to the. That's where like the theme of the movie kind of is like this is the world that the characters living are living. Yeah, it's the thing. Like it's such an important scene that I would never take it out in a million years, but I hate it. It's actually it's kind of like the final scene in the mist. You ever seen the movie The Mist? Like the final scene is just such a ball buster of a scene. But the rest of the movie doesn't work unless you have that scene in there because that that scene is like the the whole thesis of the movie is okay. right there in that very important scene. So like I hate it and I hate that it's necessary, but like it's got to stay in. Well, Everything else was just a joyride for me. I love this movie. And the thing that makes that scene really difficult, I think, is the fact that the kids clearly have no idea. Like they're enjoying the food, and it's so it's like you feel bad watching the scene. Um, oh yeah. But I mean that again. That's that's the movie saying, "Hey, look, I know you want this naive good guy stuff. We're literally killing that in front of you for a reason. Yeah, because you can't have that in this movie. That's not what this movie is about. This movie is about morally complex adults. So these these are the only kid characters that have showed up in the movie. They're toast. The reason they're toast is because you have to be you have to get let go of that for this movie. Yeah, because basically, the I mean, the two I guess the three most morally good characters in the movie, aside from well, we'll take the we'll take the couple out of the equation just because theirs is such a complicated situation. But Mung, the main character, uh, the the daughter of of Uncle and Uncle himself are kind of the they're the best that's that's offered. Maybe maybe. Uh, Maybe uh, what's his name? Ye Ye Sung, the uh, the drunken assassin who's down on his luck. Um, like, I guess so, but he doesn't do much. You know, like he's just it's he is only noble by dint of the fact he doesn't do anything more awful than he yeah. does. You know, and I don't know if that counts. I don't know if that'll that'll reach muster in this movie. But like, and and here's the thing about this movie: it never lets you forget that those who Uncle wants to die deserve to die. Like that's its. This movie had a tagline. That would be the tagline, because he's as close to a moral person as this movie will let you get. Yeah. So, and you know, I'm comfortable with that. I'm comfortable with a, a morally, a morally like imperfect being being the moral center of the universe. That actually makes it really good. You know, and I, I liked Uncle. I, I I loved his escape route. Like as soon as that happened, I was like, oh, I am sold on this. 
It, yeah. That is going to happen in a game. So, so yeah, so this this is the thing that is really cool about this movie. The 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 leader of of the Lung Men Society, Uncle, uh, played by Ku Fung, who's again another great actor in these movies. He, that, that guy's a really good actor in yeah. this movie. Yeah. He nailed his part. Yeah, and he can play so many different kinds of roles. Like you see him playing, like he's just got versatility. Um, but but in this film, he plays Uncle. Who's uh, uh, like that's his nickname in the book. His his nickname translates to like old uncle or something like that. Um, yeah. And so it's sort he's sort of a standard for the Godfather, but he has plots within plots and plans within plans, and he's got all he has like he's thought of every contingency plan imaginable, and he even he even like allows himself to get into that dangerous situation just so he can expose the person in his organization that is plotting against him, and it's it's. It, it's 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 exactly how you should if you have an npc who is an evil mastermind this guy is a master class in how to engineer that and make it and make it work um you know oh go ahead it looks like you want to say something nope i have a cat oh okay I, the cat keeps coming right by my microphone and i'm like stop doing that <laughs> you dumb animal I keep, like, but, tossing her down unceremoniously into the ground, and she's just like, I'm going to do it again. Look, here she comes. Dear, dear but God. But he has... He, he Number one, he wears a vest that's impervious to, to projectiles, so he's only he's only uh, exposed at certain times. But when 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 the bat, when the guy who betrays him gets him into his, uh, his chamber, he, he pulls a switch, and there's, like, a... His bed drops, and it brings him into a, a section below the... Uh, the the fortress and and then that's when he gets to the the couple who who have his whole escape route planned for him and then even beyond that he still has all these these chess pieces in place that he can draw it's it's just staggeringly good um it is and what's great about this movie is that it it lets it does a thing that i really admire uh, any story that does this where it will completely exhaust a premise uh, so you've got Uncle, and like you mentioned, he has a, a cloak that's impervious to weapons, and he's got all these elaborate tricks and escape routes and all this stuff, and he gets away with it. And then the guy that's like his adversary does almost exactly like beat for beat the same stuff, and he fails. So you get to have your cake and eat it too. Yeah. You get to have both. You get to have the guy that's nearly like basically unbeatable. Then you get to have that same guy and beat him in the same movie. But do you so, know why that guy? The re, there's a reason that guy doesn't succeed because he doesn't have any real friends the way that Uncle does. Because Uncle's also doing all these good things for people. Do you know what I mean? He's oh yeah, he, yeah. So, Uncle the the loyalty Uncle inspires is very genuine. Yeah, like he really knows how to like get people on in his wheelhouse. And uh, and so yeah, so the I mean that I I I don't I don't want to I don't want to I mean we spoiled a lot already, but I don't want to spoil the final scene. But the way that they deal with the villain at the end of it is 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 wonderful. It's it's a really clever. It it, 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 it took me by surprise the first time I saw it. Um, and they even they even distract you so that you're you you just don't see it coming. You think it's an impossibility by the time it happens. Um. Yeah, there's a lot to admire there. And, like, that's... We're even talking about, like, way deep into the movie. The movie's good from the beginning. Like, in a really... in a Like I said, a shockingly early scene, they introduce this really super awesome badass. And, like, the, their basic... The tagline for this guy is, if you want to get to Uncle, you have to kill this guy. Like, he lives alone in the woods. Yep. One knows where he lives. And he's, like, just this super badass. And you don't even get to see him kill anyone before they found a way to assassinate him. Like again, shockingly early, they Luca well, Brasi that guy. And you know who played him? That was the that's Lo Lie who played the character that you liked from Budapest, the uh, uh, oh, was, yeah. from Eastern Island. Um, that was the same guy, yeah. wasn't it? Yep. I like to think it's the same character. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. This was his retirement. I guess in an alternate timeline, it could be the the same guy. Um, but this guy is much more severe. This guy is definitely Luca Brasi ported into the martial world. He's that kind of a character. Um, Same beats Luca Brasi too, where they set him up as super loyal, super important right-hand man, and just a complete badass, and then, like, bam, they immediately kill that guy. What's also funny is in the book, in, in, or in one of the early chapters, 
the the way that he is handled is exactly the way he's handled in the godfather which is he makes even the godfather uncomfortable like i don't know if you remember that from the movie i don't know how clear it was in that but in the original godfather movie uh marlon brando's character is meant to be uncomfortable in the presence of luca brasi because he's this I, I i don't recall exactly why but i feel like he is this just almost like an elemental force in the story that only the Godfather is able to harness somehow, but even he feels uncomfortable in his presence. And and you get a very similar type of thing going on between Uncle and 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 that character uh, in the yeah, story. Yeah, seemed a little nervous about the guy. He's like, yeah, if you want to kill me, you have to kill him. Yeah. But uh, I feel weird about having him on the payroll. <laughs> but uh, but but yeah, I don't know. Is there anything else you would game from this? Is there any? And there's so much. Okay, so here's the thing that's hard to do in a game that happens like several times in this movie, which is the uh, your characters are in the place where they're they're gonna like they're they're talking to the main bad guy or whatever. They're like, oh, we got a plot to kill him. We got this clever plot, and then just like all the the panels slide over and like an army of of, of like mooks come out. And then there's a co- like a, a giant proper combat yep. that happens like seven times in this movie. Like that is that is Uncle's move. He's like, yeah. oh, you you thought uh, you thought I was alone? Well, I have an entire army. Wow, you really do. That's a whole army. They're right in this room. Um, and they they they've done that in some of the other movies we've watched too. And I think that that's because you want to get these big elaborate fight scenes where you got your hero scything through minions. Um, but like that's really hard to pull off in a way that's like uh, that feels genuine at the table. It always like it, whenever I'm a player, a lot of times you can kind of see the invisible puppet strings of the GM going, "Oh hell, I didn't prep anything here," and they just kind of throw some NPCs in there. But this movie didn't carried it off really well, and I think that you could probably learn something. Like there's probably a lesson to be learned. There's a way to do that. There's a way to do that because I've done it. And the way to do it is to not do it on the fly and to make sure that when you, like, say, for example, you're mapping out Uncle's Fortress, you want to you want to plan you want to plan for him having that kind of a thing in place before it actually happens in the game so that all the pieces that explain its existence are there. Do you know what I mean? So that you know where these guys are coming from. In the movie, they can have them come from anywhere because it's a movie. But in a game, you sort of need to have the geography fleshed out a little bit and so like just as an example i had a an underground cave dwelling uh situation where the players were exploring in one of my games and i ended up in this room where it's something quite similar to that except there are all these panels that open up it's like a trap chamber and a bunch of guys with arrows just come out and start firing at them and what i did was i had all i had like the little stations that the guys were all sitting at beyond those chambers planned out and I had the, the areas that lead away from those chambers planned out. And so I also roughly knew what the patrol system was. Like, okay, they have, they'll always have eight guys in here, and they take it in shifts so there can always be eight guys. And that way, if the players did anything in their early exploration, they had a legitimate chance of finding this, this defense system. And, and when they actually explored the defense system after it was triggered, they could see evidence that it had been laid down in advance. And so I think that's the, the way to do it. Uh, the way to do it is to actually pull it off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, to actually... So, so when, you're, when you're playing Uncle in a campaign, before the session happens, you need to go through Uncle's contingency plans in advance and make sure that, that you have all the... Yeah. yeah. Um, because otherwise you're just pulling it out of the air and that's when it will feel cheap, I think, if players can sense, oh, he just threw in a hundred guys because he wanted to have a hundred guys show up all of a sudden. You know, it, it, it feels very ethereal, like they just materialized out of nowhere. Um, yeah, and it, it, it hurts the verisimilitude of your, of your campaign quite a bit. And, like, that's what, like, I think you're right. I think that whenever you are actually lying, that's whenever you're caught in the lie. But if you... If you planned it out beforehand, like Uncle would have, like that's some stuff that'll wow players. Yeah. Like, I, I've only rarely had scenarios where that's happened, and every single time that's that's been pulled off against me as a player. If I survive, I'm like, wow, this is really look at this. They they have a little system, they have little tunnels and things like that. Well, and the cool thing is, even if the players figure it out before it happens, they can still kind of they're still impressed by the. You know, like, whoa, this guy's thought of everything. Like, they'll, you know, they'll still sort of get this a similar type of reaction, even if they don't fall into the trap. Um, so I think that's the other thing. You have to you have to allow for the trap not to happen if the players legitimately circumvent it or, 
you know, don't, you know, do you know what I mean? Like there, you can't just say, okay, this cool situation is going to happen no matter what. The situation should only happen if the players allow it to happen because they're not on their toes or the, do you know what I mean? That that's, that's another thing to consider is, uh, you know, kind of fairly applying whatever, whatever traps like that you have in play you know, letting, giving the players a fair shot to maybe detect it beforehand in some way. Um, oh, yeah. You uh, you can't get wed to how you want something to manifest in the game. It's going to be whatever it is whenever it shows up. Like, so maybe it's not a trap. Maybe it's this is an opportunity for your players to be clever and circumvent the trap. And then Uncle's all, like, boasting about how he's got an army and then, like, just nothing but corpses in there. And so he's like, uh-oh. That's wonderful. You know, you can have that happen, too. That's also a cool, fun thing that happens, and it happens for the same reason, you know? <clears throat> so, yeah, I, I think it's really easy, as, as especially as an experienced GM, to be like, oh, but there's supposed to be a trap here. Mm -hmm. Well, right, there is, but your players were clever, and instead they get a big reward. Yeah. That's fun, you know? That's also something that was fun that you added to the game. So just relax. It doesn't have to be the thing you thought it was going to be. No, I, I think that's the way to do it. That's definitely, you know... But this is the approach I take, um, you know. Oh, but, yeah. but again, I think the thing that you can really get from this movie is just this is a very good example of a of a of an intelligent villain, and that's 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 the way to to make it happen. Um, I also think that it's a really good example of infighting and and how the martial world might work in a wuxia setting and how how you can make that interesting. And you could really base a whole campaign off of what's going on here. You know, you could, you could very, in fact, I've done something like that. You know, you, you can very easily take the, the starting point of this movie and, and have that be the backdrop of, an, of, a, of a really interesting sort of sect war campaign. Yeah, you could just slot your own characters in here and, like, it would work great. So that's, that's another one of the things. So like, the actual political situation that, that's set up in the movie is very gameable. You know, and especially when it comes to martial world stuff, you have you have all the great like ingredients. You you have the you have the kind of like forbidden love story. You've got the rivalries. Uh, you've got all these conflicting loyalties. You've got an assassination plot, like all great stuff. And you get these larger than life personalities who are trying to juggle all of this stuff. That's Wuxia in a nutshell. And that's like like you going back to whenever you're talking about how Wuxia as a genre isn't quite as nailed down and defined as people like to pretend it is. This is a movie that like will challenge you to think, well, this is Wuxia, but how is this Wuxia when it's so different than what I'm used to with Wuxia? Yeah. That's well, great. That's and it, wonderful. Well, and it, and it challenges it challenges one of the core things about Wuxia. It really, I mean, you know, it, it really it really sort of is a. I think I think it's a particularly interesting movie for that reason. Interesting book for that reason that. It, it again. It, it's just I. I, I th and also the other reason I like it is it shows sort of the smooth uh, cross cultural influences that are going on. A lot of times people are like, "I'm going to make this as purely Chinese as I can," and it's important to remember that that a lot of the writers weren't trying to do that. You know, Gu Long was borrowing from you know other sources that he found interesting, and one of them was The Godfather. And so I think that that's, that's important to keep in mind because I think that's something that allows you to keep breathing life into it so that you're not just repeating, you know, the same notes over and over and over again. Do you know what I mean? It can, it can have the effect of, well, I'm always playing the melodic minor scale in music. Do you know what I mean? It's, a, it's like a, uh, it, 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 it's, it's nice to, 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 to throw in other, other uh, flavors uh, and, and, and you can still, you, you know, and I'll go to continue with the music analogy. You can still have minor keyed music that incorporates, you know, other, other modes and other scales and it'll, it'll be more interesting. Um, and so yeah. I, I think, I think that's kind of what you see here. Um, so the cr cultural car cross pollination as I've been referring to it. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I think that people and gamers are exceptionally susceptible to this where we'll make these little rules about things and we adhere to them despite the fact they're clearly injuring our fun. <laughs> you know, uh, that's one of the things that, that kind of hyper, um, I, I want to call it like anal retentive focus on it being like pure wuxia or purely like Chinese cultural or whatever. That's, it's fine if you want that to be like a major influence even, or even like ubiquitous influence, but like even Chinese authors don't do that. Yeah. Much like much like every author on the planet, they grab from whatever they can get. 
Yeah. You know? And so you see, like, Greek mythology show up in Japanese cartoons and stuff like that, and it's to the benefit of of the work. So don't don't get too obsessed with your self-imposed rules. Like, you know, relax yeah. a little bit and, and enjoy the ride. Yeah, and, it's not, and that's not to say you should ignore the, you know, the source material. It's just to say that no. the source material itself is... You know, again, and, and I think Gulong is, is one of the better examples of this. He is, you know, reaching out to, to other sources for, for inspiration, and, and it shows. You can, you can see it. That's why, that's why a lot of these, you know, Cho Yuen movies that are based on his works have occasionally they'll have like a noir vibe or like a, you know, they just have a feel that you can sort of see other genres sort of making their way into it. Um, and it ends up being a really, you know, the, 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 the end product ends up being really good. So, and, and again, this is based on The Godfather, but I think if most people watch it the first time, they won't necessarily see that unless it's pointed out to them or unless they're very familiar with The Godfather. Um, so it does, even though it's based on it, it it's its own thing. It's not, it's, it's not, a, uh, it's, you know, there are definitely things in this that reflect The Godfather, and there are even characters that feel just like a character's pulled out of The Godfather, but the context of it is so different that it's a totally new experience. Um, it, it is. It is very much a new experience. Like, I wouldn't... This is like The Godfather in that it has, like, a tonal... Tonally, t- tonally things that are very similar, structurally, character-wise, but it's so unique. Yeah. It's such its own thing. And it's so good in its own merit. Even if you don't, like, compare it to The Godfather, it's just on its own. It's such a fantastic work. So, like, you're right. Like, I wouldn't... Well, you pointed out the Godfather similarity to me, and I was like, "Oh, you're right. It does get." But I, you're right. I wouldn't have seen that, and I still would have greatly enjoyed the movie without that comparison. No, well, and it's also, I mean, an interest, you know, and, and and of course, the Godfather is not based on nothing either. You know, the Godfather, you know, has its roots in, you know, like the stories of the, uh, you know, I think the Archangel Michael, and you know, in these kinds of stories, um, <laughs> and so it. It, 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 what this reminds me of is like when you see a movie that's based on a Shakespeare play but ported into like but not where they've taken like the actual dialogue just where they've taken like the story oh, yeah, like things I hate about you is a good example yeah, of that. yeah they take it they port it into a new setting and it ends up being really interesting because the underlying structure works but it does something different when you put it into a different environment a different you know scenario with different characters um so yeah, so I, I think I mean again I wouldn't I wouldn't use the word he ripped off the Godfather here. I think I have seen people say that I don't think that this is ripping off the Godfather. I think this is he he found very new and interesting uses for the Godfather, um, and and so yeah so that, I don't know that's I, I, do you have anything else to add on uh, on top of what we've said or is that uh, have we have we given a, a pretty good breakdown of Killer Clowns? That's pretty that's a pretty decent breakdown like. I, I sort of feel like we went backwards talking about killer clans. Like I feel like we started with the end and worked forward. Yeah. Again, yeah, nothing wrong with that. So no, I mean like it was, it was really good. Um, I think th- that's a good breakdown. Okay, and here's what I would say to the audience: is Killer Clans is available on Amazon Prime. So if you have Amazon Prime, definitely check it out because it's it's this is again I, I I I not everybody's gonna share my taste, but this is one of my favorite Wuxia films, and I think that it's. It's really worth just taking a look at. It's old school, so it's not, you know, so prepare for a little bit of confusion when you first see it because there are a lot of characters and beats. I think you used the word dense, right? You said it was a dense movie. Yes, it's very dense. Like, if I, it, it, as a, just a pure movie review, not looking at it like a, like a game thing, I would say it is a very dense and very sophisticated and very grim movie that's very much worth your time to, like, it's worth it to unpack it and to, to, Examine it and it just for not just for its novelty, but just for how wonderfully rich it is. Yeah. Like a chocolate cake, it's very, very complex flavor, very, very bitter. So yeah, so hopefully we can get more people to watch Killer Clans. And also, you can you can go to SBCNet and and read like the first nine chapters or whatever of the book if you want. You you know you'll be disappointed because you won't be able to finish it, but it can give you uh, some insight into what's going on. Um, popular enough, maybe they'll finish the translation. That'd be great. Well, I think the translation that's there has not been updated for about five years or something. So I think I think that the hopes are pretty low. Though I don't know, maybe this podcast will, uh, you know, <laughs> if, if the translators listening, like, please, please finish, please finish translating this book because I, uh, I really, please, I, re- <laughs> please, yeah, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I really enjoyed the chapters that we had and. Uh, but yeah, I mean, unfortunately with Wuxia, you don't always get 
number one, you don't always get complete translations. You very rarely get official translations, and so you you have yeah. to just go and find what you can. But I think I think it's also kind of cool because you you know you, you really sort of have to work. For, you find the scraps that you can find, and you make you make use of it. You know, it's like if you can only get two chapters of a book, well, you know, you really you know you can you can chew on those two chapters for a long time. So. Um, yeah, there's something wonderfully gorilla about it, and like it feels kind of in genre to find scraps of an ancient manuscript. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> only have a partial translation. So, uh, so yeah, so we'll we'll let everybody go. We'll be back on uh, with some more movies and some more discussion. And uh, also, uh, this Friday we're going to be doing Tai Chi Master on Wuxia Weekend, and we're also going to be doing Cobra Kai on Saturday. Um, we we decided to you know. Uh, people might have forgotten this, but we did we did the Karate Kid uh, movies one through three last year, and we're we're trying to assemble the same team to talk about Cobra Kai, and uh, and we also have a, an Iron Triangle special coming out later in the week, uh, which me and Lady Chow Fung did, where we we took five Iron Triangle movies and just talked about them, uh, and so so yeah, so we will be back on, and we will talk to you later.